Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The NBA and college basketball are back, and the NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship, hopefully not if you're a listener to this podcast or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to betonline.ag. Or if you want to place a bet for the Clips to redeem themselves, go ahead and do that as well. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jesse Cass. Uh, Alex Acker, my co-host, will not be here for this episode, uh, so I'm going to carry it through for you solo. Alex will be back with us next week. So, uh, as I said, I'm carrying it through solo. we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, the last time we chatted, we had the Kamenensky brothers, who host the Land of Lakers podcast. We've had a little bit of time to dissect the, the beginning part of the season. Clippers now 5-2 and two on the year, going into this back-to-back home game with the Spurs road game with the Warriors, and then another game with the Warriors a few days down the road. So we'll talk about not only the start of the season, but there's some things I want to get into about just some of the noise in the media, which is obviously, as the Clippers know, nothing new uh, with the the respect level that they get. And we knew coming into this year uh, that they, you know, they would have to take some on the chin for that epic collapse they had at the end of last year. But there's still some wild stuff out there, so we're going to get into that. But before we do, I want to let you know that if you do enjoy the show, or if it's your first time listening, whatever it is, uh, please follow, subscribe, rate, review. You can do that on Apple. Five stars is always appreciated. But we're also available wherever else you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. And also Believe.com, where you can find this show, as well as all of the other shows we have on the platform, the ever-expanding Believe Podcast Network. So with all of that good stuff out of the way, let's get into it here on this new episode of Believe in Clippers. Uh, and as we said, Clippers 5-2 and two on the year right now. Uh, tied atop the West with the Lakers, no surprise there. The Suns, a little bit of a surprise, but they, of course, were expected to be improved with Chris Paul uh, in the lineup for them. And the Clippers, I think, as expected, looking good so far. You know, we had some of those doubts in the beginning of the preseason of, you know, how quickly would this click under Ty Lue? Obviously, some new pieces with Sergi Baca and Luke Kennard and Nicholas Batum. You know, losing Trez and uh, Jermichael Green out the door. So moving parts for the Clippers and no Marcus Morris still to this point. He's going to be out again, at least for this San Antonio game. That'll be eight games missed to start the year, maybe nine if he misses the second end of the back-to-back against the Warriors. But with all of that said, Clippers are not only 5-2, and two, but 5-2 and two in pretty dominant fashion. Now you throw a, just a stinker 
clunker disaster of a game against the Mavericks with the 51-point loss. Um, obviously, that one was in there, but you know, still counts as just one loss. And then the Utah game, where the Clippers did not play well. They went down by 20, but then almost came back to win uh, and ended up dropping a close one. So outside of that, you look at the wins for the Clippers right now, and it, it has been impressive. This has not been an easy schedule to begin the season. Of course, the Lakers on opening night, a seven-point win, but a game where the Clippers led by 20-plus points. You go to Christmas night against Denver, again, leading by 20-plus in that ball game, end up winning by 13. Uh, then they follow up the, the embarrassing Dallas loss with strong back-to-back performances on back-to-back nights. They beat Minnesota, granted, without Carl Anthony Towns, but 23-point win, cruising the whole way, and then followed up the very next night by throttling Portland again by 23 points. Uh, then they mentioned that Utah loss. Then they really had a you know Jekyll and Hyde performance against Phoenix. Were up by 30, ended up winning that one by five in a close finish at the end. But you look at all of these games. The common denominator right now is that at at least some point in all of these games, the Clippers have had it rolling enough to be up by either 20 or 30 in all of these wins so far. So this is really encouraging, and I think something that we were looking forward to seeing, uh, or if they could implement successfully, Ty Lue's offense and integrate these new pieces into, the, into that offense. And so far, that's been a resounding success. And you look at the numbers from the team in general, of course, the wins and the point totals is one thing, but you look at just the offensive efficiency and the shooting percentage for the Clippers, and the thing that jumps out to me, at least initially off the page, is the three-point percentage for the entire team, the whole team, or the team as a whole, rather, shooting nearly 42% from behind the arc, uh, and that's with Kawhi Leonard shooting just 33%. Everyone else is just fire from behind the three-point line. You have Paul George, 49.2% from downtown. Right now, that would register, I know, only seven games, not going to get too carried away, but that number, as of now, would register as the ninth best three-point shooting season in NBA history. So that's how well he's shooting the three-ball. Got Ibaka shooting 40% from downtown. Lou Williams shooting 40%. Kennard at 48%. Patrick Beverly at 48%. Reggie Jackson at 38 And then Nick Batum at almost 46%. Uh, and this was something that Alex and I had talked about when the signing was announced and whether he could be an effective player for the Clippers. And we were both pretty confident that he could be and that we liked the move a lot. But even by those standards, what Nick Batum has done has been absolutely incredible. You know, he's someone that still, you look at his age, and we talked about this as well, but you look at his age, 32 years old. It's one of those players where he's been in the league a long time. He came in young, around 18, uh, but just got lost in Charlotte, unmotivated. Uh, in, in a comparison that I brought up in the last time when we talked about him as well was was Boris Diaw, you know, a fellow countryman who went to Charlotte in his career as well, really got lost and unmotivated, out of shape, played poorly. He ended up going back to the Spurs where he was comfortable and had a renaissance and was a huge part of a you know team that won a championship and, and obviously a team that the Clippers went toe-to-toe in a seven-game series with in 2015, so... Uh, but Batum himself has said that's someone he's modeling, you know, his return, resurrection, whatever you want to call it, uh, after is Boris Diaw. And that has been really evident in a lot of ways. Defensively, passing the ball, rebounding, and shooting. Uh, Batum has been a pleasant surprise, if you want to call it that, in all of those areas. He's averaging nearly nine points, six rebounds, three assists, 
a steal per ball game. He's providing defense, additional playmaking, and then that shooting. Uh, I think there will be some regression in terms of that level of three-point shooting, but even if he hovers around 40%, 38%, the league average uh, might be around that at, at this point, but in the years past, it's been 36 37%. So even if he's that, that's a huge win for the Clippers. But shooting it at this level and providing what he's done for this team uh, has been huge, and you can't really measure it, but it's been tremendous. And you throw in the fact that you look at that last game against the Suns, Nick Batum in the game late, and not only in the game late, but hits the game-winning, game-sealing three-pointer, and Paul George trusting him enough to make that pass after George had a monster night uh, to find his teammate. That That's positive in a lot of ways for the trust in your teammates, for Batum, and for PG making that play. You know, th- Those are things that I think down the road are going to help them a lot. And, and also, as we said, Marcus Morris at some point will be back with this team and whether he starts like we all expect or he comes off the bench because Nick Batum has played so well with the starters either way Marcus Morris is such a valuable piece for this team he's obviously a physical player someone who can shoot the three ball very well as well Uh, brings toughness brings defense uh, has by all accounts been a leader on this team despite not having played yet so adding him to the lineup will improve the depth of the team it'll improve the skill of the team it should improve the toughness of the team. Um, you know, he's a big piece, and clearly the front office giving him that $64 million contract. They believe that. We saw it in the playoffs last year for all the, the struggles that the team had. And Morris wasn't completely immune to that himself, but he made big shots in the playoff run. You know, of course, it's a race because Luka Doncic made that step-back game winner in Game 4 against the Mavericks, but Morris had what would have been the game winner seconds earlier. He showed a willingness and a toughness and, and more importantly, just no fear in playoff games to take big shots, you know, create offense on his own when he needed to. I think in this year, in this system with Ty Lue, there'll be more space and more freedom for him to operate and work, which should play into his, into his hands as well. So uh, you don't necessarily want him to be taking over come playoff time, but the fact that he has that mindset and the, the lack of fear uh, is huge, and you need guys like that come playoff time. So I think despite the hot start from the team, the the reinsertion of Marcus Morris into the, the rotation and the lineup will be a, a welcome sight. So I, I'm really excited to see that whenever it happens. It seems like it's been forever, and it does feel a little Luke Mbamute-y with the, the knee soreness thing, but by all accounts, Morris has been practicing. He should be back at some point, hopefully soon, but um, you know we'll continue to play the waiting game with that. But right now, as I said at the top, one thing that I wanted to to touch on here in this week's episode was kind of the focus of the discussion around the Clippers in general. And listen, none of us are naive. We know that they failed miserably at the end of last year. We know that for whatever reason, a lot of people don't like the Clippers. And, you know, a lot of that in L.A. is driven by the fan base across the way, which is to be expected. But nationally... That disdain and distaste for the Clippers is definitely there. And as you said, the Clippers have to do what they have to do to, to kind of erase some of those things from people's memory. They have to play better. They have to get it done in the playoffs. And we won't know that, obviously, until the summer when the playoffs are happening or late spring. Uh, but right now, uh, the conversation, it's just so funny how it's so different for different players and different teams 
uh, compared to to what the Clippers and in particular, of course, Paul George, what he gets. And again, he had a big flame out in the playoffs last year, uh, game seven in particular. He did have good moments in between, but uh, he didn't come through. So he deserves that criticism. But, uh, you know, there's just been some crazy double standards and crazy articles and podcasts out there that are just ill-informed or straight up stupid. And it's, it's bizarre. There was one uh, from The Athletic uh, today that talked about the Clippers being chatty and talking, and it's just it's just not true. It doesn't make sense, and it's, it's just bizarre. Uh, we know, of course, Paul George and, and Devin Booker had a little back and forth between the last game, and you know that's fine. I, I think everyone loves to see that on the court, honestly, but turning that into somehow the Clippers being chatty and still too talkative is is weird because it's not true. As you said, we've seen this year, I haven't heard anything from any of the players that would resemble any kind of trash talk. Now, Paul George is very open in his post-game interviews, and maybe that's where you could possibly drag some chattiness out of, but even that is a huge stretch. And this year's team, there hasn't really been many antics either. I mean, the team is celebrating for each other like anyone else, uh, but you look at other teams around the league, they do the same thing, or more. You know, the, the Brooklyn Nets from years past where they're dancing on the sideline or even the Lakers last year where they're mocking people for missing free throws, which we know Beverly and Morris did, which kind of ignited the whole Dame Lillard thing. But that's to the point that all teams do this. So, you know, the Clippers, of course, they're a title contender, so they're going to be under more scrutiny uh, and under the microscope a little bit more. But at the same time, other contending teams do the same exact things too, and you rarely hear anything about it. And then you throw in kind of the personal thing or player side of things, with Paul George in particular. And as as we know, he's going to take a lot of heat for that performance last year. He's mentioned that. He's fine with it. He's going to accept it, and he's going to play and, and play well. And that's what he's done so far. And uh, you look at some of these matchups over the past week for the Clippers and just the, the personal trash talk history, the Twitter fascination with the trash talk, and then the reactions. So you go back to Portland, of course, the whole beef with Dame Lillard and, and Paul George and the Clippers in particular. And, uh, you know, that was fun. And, and, and Damian Lillard obviously got his shots in when the Clippers blew their playoff series. Uh, and then they play. Paul George, 23 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, over 50% shooting. Damian Lillard, 3 for 14 from the field. Ended with 20 points because he got to the free throw line a lot. But the Clippers blasted the Blazers. Now, I'm not saying that a game in the very beginning of the season needs a huge reaction, but can you imagine if it was the other way around? If Lillard had a monster game and Paul George performed poorly and the Clippers got blown out, it would have been on every highlight package, every website, around the clock for days. And then it goes the other way, you hear nothing. And then again, you go to Phoenix, where that game against the Suns, Paul George, again, 39-point monster performance where he takes over the game, gets into that little, really non-scuffle, with, with Devin Booker, some trash talking. And, you know, the highlight is, is Booker saying a certain comment about Paul George. Well, for all of George's playoff failures, he's been to these Eastern Conference Finals. He's all-NBA, multiple-time All-Star. Booker, of course, has made the All-Star game once. Booker's team has never won more than 34 games and has never come close to the playoffs. So, you know, if we're talking about judging people on their accomplishments, again... Uh, you know, judge everyone the same way is essentially the point of this long, long rant on everything. But 
for all, all the faults of Paul George, he's not the only player who's ever struggled in the playoffs. And you look at a guy like Lillard, and again, not bashing Lillard at all. Lillard's an amazing player. He deserves all the praise and love that he gets. But there was that series a couple years ago where the Pelicans swept the Blazers and Lillard got wrecked by Drew Holiday and had a horrific playoff series. Uh, you know, somehow that's completely forgotten and not talked about. So with all of that said, it's definitely okay to criticize players. They're in the public eye. They're getting paid millions of dollars. Uh, that comes with the territory. But let's just be consistent about it at the same time. If we're holding certain players to certain standards where we only look at their failures in a certain light or their successes in a certain light versus someone else, uh, then it doesn't make sense at all. And we're seeing it with players. You know, Paul George isn't the only one who's gotten that. Uh, we saw it this week uh, with Steph Curry, where, of course, someone who's won multiple MVPs and championships had his legacy questioned, and he had to come out and score 62 points to, to shut up the overly reactionary and ill-informed section of, of NBA Twitter. Uh, you know, it, there's going to be so much of that these days with, with social media and NBA Twitter. Uh, where everyone, even if they watch the game or not, and there's so many that don't, they either watch a highlight or they just don't know what they're talking about, period. But they're going to have an opinion. They're going to say something uh, just to be a troll or just to get that out there because they hate a certain team or a certain player. But uh, for people that actually watch the games or people who are supposed to be in the media who write on this, who comment on it, if you're not paying attention and you're not watching the games... And you're not realizing that some of the stuff you're putting out there is just flat out either A, wrong, or B, stupid, uh, then do better because that's your job. And granted, not you know, there's 30 teams. You're not going to cover everyone as closely or look at everyone as closely. But if you're going to come out there with comments about, oh, this team is being chatty or this team is being too cocky and that hasn't been the case at all, then maybe you know look into it a little bit more rather than just thinking that you know something without actually researching anything at all. So that's just kind of the, the overlying point with that. Again, I'm not opposed to the Clippers getting criticism for, for last year. They deserve it. That was one of the worst things I've ever seen, and I think we can all agree on that. But it is a new year. They will need to prove it in the playoffs, but that doesn't mean that their regular season games now don't matter. They still need to win those to get to the playoffs. They still need to win those to get a high seed, and you know, Paul George, you can say it's regular season basketball, but if he was playing terrible basketball right now, he'd be getting absolutely blasted. And you look at it, he's averaging 25 points a game, six boards, five assists, almost two steals. He's been really the focal point of the team with Kawhi Leonard missing a couple of games. Uh, he's been fantastic. He talked about returning to close to MVP form. We know he didn't win the MVP, but that year where he was... Uh, third in MVP voting two seasons ago. And he's lived up to that so far. It's been just seven games, but he made that promise that he would be back stronger. He's hearing a lot of talking, which he's talked about, and he hasn't let it affect him. So I think, if anything, that deserves praise. He, you know, he got into the little altercation with the Suns, but just because a guy landed on his back and he took exception to it, and then, you know, talking from there was just ordinary NBA stuff that happens all the time. That wasn't being chatty. It wasn't being overly cocky. It wasn't trash-talking for the sake of nothing. It was, you know, a heated moment in the game for a high-level competitor that happens. And the same thing 
for Devin Booker and the Suns. You know, he's competing and getting after it as well, and that's when the game is at its best. So I think that, you know, calling it out for one team and not another or saying that it's bad somehow for one team. Clippers won that game, by the way. They, you know, it wasn't the most encouraging, considering they had the biggest lead possible with a 31-point lead and only won by five. But, uh, you know, as Nick Batum said in the, in the postgame, uh, he was really happy that they found a way to win that game that way because of what had happened a couple of months ago. And obviously this is a little bit of a new group. So, hey, we know the NBA is a league of runs, especially with the way teams shoot the three-point ball now. Big leads, you know, however frustrating it is or not, are going to go away a lot. Now, you're not always going to give almost all of a 30-point lead away, but uh, as long as you hold on to win the game, that's obviously the important thing. And uh, you know, they did that. So I think, you know, that obviously needs to be the focus for this team. They are winning. They are playing well. Uh, and they still have a lot of room to grow. So I think uh, rather than focus on made-up negative things, let's either point out real negative things or focus on the positive. So speaking of some of the positive for the Clippers, we mentioned Ty Lue, of course, taking over, the team being 5-2. and two, And I think Paul George, as we said, has been fantastic. And there was a great article uh, in the Ringer, talking about you know good media representation uh, from John- Jonathan Charks of the Ringer, uh, where he wrote about essentially the the usage of the Clippers and in Ty Lue's offense, putting the ball more in Paul George's hands and letting him be more of a creator for the team, and it has clearly been effective. George mentioned his stats a moment ago: twenty five points a game. He's led the team in scoring in five of the seven games that they've played to this point, uh, and he's also near the top with the team, just right behind Kawhi Leonard, and assists at over five per game. So uh, the essential point of that boil down, instead of having the ball in Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell's hands a significant amount of the time, uh, it's pretty much primarily Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and then you're working through, you know, Serge Ibaka up at the top of the circle. You're still giving Lou Williams some touches, but it's much more centered and catered to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And with spacing around them pretty much at all times. Now, you know, the one exception to that is when Zubats is playing, but, you know, you kind of make up for that with his role, uh, rim-running ability. Uh, any other lineup out there, they can really space the floor tremendously. And I think that has opened up tremendous driving lanes for Paul George, great opportunities to get switches and attack weaker defenders. And if they are sending double teams defensively, taking advantage of that spacing and finding shooters on the floor. And we mentioned the three-point percentage again, uh, 42% as a team. We talked about some of those numbers, but you have threats up and down the floor, and that was what we envisioned for, for Serge Ibaka coming in when Alex and I talked about that, his ability to be a traditional big man defensively, also switch on the defensive end, but offensively space the floor, hit the three-pointer, and bring a lot in a new dynamic to the team that way. That'll be something that... Marcus Morris will continue to expand on. You know, Luke Kennard, despite his numbers being relatively pedestrian, he seems like he's getting more comfortable, uh, averaging eight and a half points per game, but his shooting numbers are high. So he's shooting, as we said, nearly 48% from downtown. Uh, and that's another just huge weapon for the Clippers for them to continue to exploit and develop as the season goes on. So I've been, I've been really impressed with that. I think that, you know, as we said, there's certainly things to tighten up and improve upon but it's early in the season uh, as you said leads are going to go away but I do think 
that is kind of the thing that does rear its ugly head. You know, not going to lie, watching the Phoenix game, uh, you could see it in the second quarter when the lead was still from 30 when it they ended, ended up going into the half up 20. But the last five minutes of that second quarter, you could tell at that instant, hey, the energy has shifted. They're not playing as well. Uh, they're going through the motions a little bit. They can't get into their sets. It's getting stagnated, uh, and that's not a good sign going forward. And it carried forward to pretty much the rest of the game, which they were able to hang on to win. But I think that is the biggest focus going forward for this team is, uh, you know, they had the mental toughness to win that. Do they have the the mental toughness to hold on to leads uh, in general? Of course, going into the playoffs, that's a, a big key. And, you know, can they get into their offense uh, late in games and not just rely on solely isolation? Now, Kawhi Leonard had a terrible shooting game against Phoenix. That's not going to happen often. And a lot of the shots he or he was getting are, are good looks, so you don't want to look too much into that. But at the same time, all those wide-open shots you're creating in the first half can be there in the second half as well. So I think finding ways to get into your sets, still through Paul George, still through Kawhi Leonard, uh, but get them working in space and get the other guys spaced out and open, I think is is something that's very possible and they should continue to, to highlight going forward. So I think there's been a lot of positive. Uh, there's still, you know, the, the reticence, the skepticism uh, lingering there because of what happened last year. But again, new coaching staff, better suited roster, uh, and I think better chemistry overall, which we knew was an issue last year. Uh, you know, you don't want to blame... The, the playoff loss or all of the chemistry issues on, you know, Montrez Harrell, who is now across the hall with the Lakers, but it, you you can't discount it either. It's something that, you know, he was uncomfortable with the, the treatment of the stars and, you know, the, the hierarchy changing. We know that on the coaching side of things, Doc Rivers stuck with him to a fault in many of the points in the playoff series. So, um, as we said, a lot of that isn't all on Montrez. Uh, that's on the coaching staff. That's on putting people in the right positions. Uh, but chemistry-wise, coaching-wise, I think upgrades in both for this team. And we've seen that with Batum and Ibaka and just kind of the comfort level that this team seems to have with each other. Uh, again, it's early, but I think those have all been impressive things. And uh, those are things that you can chat about. So uh, it's been a good start for, for the Clippers. Mentioned 5-2 and two on the year. They're playing, uh, putting this podcast up on a Tuesday. They're playing tonight against San Antonio at home. And they followed up uh, the back-to-back at Golden State. Uh, it'll be two in a row at Golden State, Wednesday and Friday, and then at home versus Chicago on Sunday, uh, and then another one coming up next week against New Orleans at home. So fun games coming up, but an opportunity for the Clippers after getting through a little bit of a gauntlet of the opening schedule. We mentioned the first seven games all against good teams outside of Minnesota. Those are all playoff or playoff contending teams in that group going forward you have a lot of teams that are either on the fringe or teams that weren't in the playoffs or are expected to miss the playoffs going forward you know a couple games against Sacramento two against the Thunder Uh, you have a big East Coast trip with you know Orlando and and Cleveland in there so there's a real opportunity to get on a roll for this Clippers team so I think that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing how they perform against some of these lower level teams last year despite having a great record finishing as the two seed that was one of the, the signs that the Clippers might have been just a hair off in, in their intensity and in their focus. Uh, they had a lot of games last year against sub-500 teams that they either lost or just 
performed poorly and were able to just squeak out and win. You know, games against Chicago, games against Golden State, games against Atlanta with no Trey Young. Those were games that the Clippers uh, flat out gave away last year due to lack of focus or lack of effort. Uh, and those are games that they must win this year. We got a good indication, at least for one. As you mentioned, that Minnesota game without Carl Anthony Towns, they really dominated that game from the start and were able to carry that through for an easy win. Uh, that would be what we like to see in this season from this Clippers team. Uh, and they'll have ample opportunity in the, mo- the month of January and, and early February as well to have a lot of those tests. So we'll see uh, how they perform in that. But uh, so far, so good. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. And you can find us wherever else podcasts are found. We'll be back next week. My co-host Alex Acker will be back to join us for that one. We'll talk about the week in Clippers basketball and see if they can keep rolling, see if Marcus Morris can finally come back. But regardless, we're here no matter what. So you've been listening on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.